Welcome to Discover the Difference, a podcast brought to you by C3. I'm your host, Jamie Reed, alongside my bud, Gabe Earl here. Today, we have a former Navy SEAL in William Branham on the show. I love William's story. And, and almost every special force person we've brought in does the same thing. They display vulnerability. And William walks us through all the trials and tribulations he had just to become a Navy SEAL. And then more importantly, the transition out, how difficult it was, the lack of purpose, and how he spiraled down before finding CBD, going to a CBD conference, and being challenged by a lady there that said, hey, you're a freaking Navy SEAL. If you wanna be in CBD industry, go figure it out, bud. He accepts that challenge, steps into the CBD world, owns a company that now manufactures the cleanest, most elite product out there. And at the same time, he's taken all that experience and become a leadership coach, helping businesses get to the next level. So you're gonna really enjoy this episode with lots of great content on how to overcome adversity and find success in life, whether it's through his five secrets of a Navy SEAL or any of the other tips that he gives. So enjoy this episode. All right, William, so take us back. Did, you know, you came through the special forces. Is that is that something that, you knew forever that's what you wanted to do or how did that unpack as you're as you matured and uh you know entered the final stages of high school so you know i, I grew up i'm i'm very young even though i'm going to sound old right now uh you know i grew up in a time when there was no internet we didn't have cable i was super poor growing up we had four channels and oftentimes it was a black and white tv where there was a channel up here and a channel down and you had to like do the one at the bottom like you know 82 turns to find the channel you wanted to be on um i remember that i watched I a lot of right? the big tvs this Again, wide yeah and uh rabbit ears and the whole thing to try yeah. to get the channel uh so i grew up watching a lot of like john wayne movies uh watched you know he was in a movie called the green beret uh Rambo came out. I watched a lot of Chuck Norris movies. I watched a lot of Kung Fu theater. And I remember thinking that I want to be part of some sort of small elite military organization when I grow up. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe that's an Army Ranger. Maybe that's a Green Beret. Maybe that's a, uh, you, you know, Chuck Norris was in the movie called Delta Force. Maybe I want to be on Delta Force where they drive dirt bikes and shoot rockets at terrorists and things like that. That sounds pretty cool. I haven't got to do that yet. At least the dirt bike rocket piece of it. There's still time. Um, still, there's still time. I, again, Kung Fu theater. So I wanted to be a ninja when I grew up. And uh, I grew up hunting. I grew up in Mississippi. I was heavily involved in the Boy Scouts. And, uh, you know, I was because I was so involved in the Boy Scouts, the, the organization that I was a part of, they paid for me to go to this national jamboree. And uh, it's a four, it happens every four years. It was in Fort AP, Virginia. And we, we partnered up with another Boy Scout troop and went together. And I met a kid in this other Boy Scout troop. He was like, he, he knew his plan. He's like, I'm, when I graduate, I'm going to the Naval Academy. I'm going to fly F-14 Tomcats, like uh, Top Gun, and I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. And I'm like, that's cool. I want to go to the Naval Academy. I want to be just like you. I want to, you know, fly F-14 Tomcats. And I want to, what's a Navy SEAL? And so he, he explained what that was. was. Like, it's the most elite military organization in the world. They jump out of airplanes, blow stuff up, shoot guns, scuba dive. I'm like, where do I sign? 
And so that was kind of in the back of my mind, even though my entire childhood, I was like, I will never join the Navy. I will never be on one of those ships floating around out there in the ocean. That's just not who I am. That's not what I do. And so I came back from that trip and I'm thinking like maybe, you know, Marine Corps scout sniper, because that sounds cool. Army, I don't know what I'm going to do. Something like that. And then the Navy recruiter called my house and he was like, hey, uh, just by chance, have you ever thought about joining the Navy? And I was like, man, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I was thinking about be, becoming a Navy SEAL and I want to go to the Naval Academy and I want to fly F-14 Tomcats. I totally took this other guy's idea. <laughs> Those are mine now. It's yours now. This. And so, you know, I did one out of three. You know, I, and I and the reason I didn't want to be part of like the big green machine, the Army or the big Marine Corps or anything like that is, you know, I also grew up watching movies about the Civil War and World War II. And I just remember like these troops just getting online, facing one another, either in, you know, in, during World War II or the Civil War or whatever. And they're just like, you know, fighting one another, like face to face. And I was like, that's dumb. Like that's your odds of you're going to die. I want to not die. And I want to sneak around and take you out with, before you even know it. I don't like having a fair fight. Uh, I always lose fair fights. So let's just not be fair. And, uh, and so when I, when I had the opportunity to, to join the SEAL teams, I was like, that's, that's, that's the route that I want to go. And so I joined the Navy. Uh, you know, I failed the SEAL screening test the first time I took it. I had a mindset issue back then. Um, and it took me a long time to fix that because there's a minimum score that you have to get to get in to be accepted to go to, to SEAL training, to go to BUDS. And when I was taking the screening test, I was focusing on that minimum number. I got to get this small number. I wasn't thinking like, you know, the, let's see, the number for push-ups. You had to do 52 push-ups. Not that hard. Well, I wasn't thinking like I need to do 152 push-ups. So I like, you know, got out of the pool. I'm doing my push-ups and I got to like 37. I'm like 38. I don't think I can do anymore. And so I went from, so I ended up having to go spend some time on a ship and uh, that almost cost me becoming a SEAL because I took it. I went to a school, I graduated boot camp. I went to this school in the Navy that I have to go to, to advance in the Navy. And then um, I went to another school rather than like, going and taking the SEAL screening test again while I was in this first school, I was like, I'll go to this other school, I'll get in better shape and then go take it. Because I went to this other school, I had 24 months of obligated service to a ship in Yokosuka, Japan. And also because of that school, when it came time for me to go to SEAL training, the guy that was in charge of everyone that does that job in the Navy, he said, you're not going to become a Navy SEAL. You're not going to SEAL training. I will not let you go. You're too critical because we only have a handful of people that can do that job. And you're one of them. So I'm not going to let you go. And I was like, bro, that's not cool. I only want to be a Navy SEAL. And and, I, and then I tried to negotiate. I'm like, well, you know, the odds of making it through the training is are very small. So I let me go. Maybe I don't make it. And you got me back. No deal. Did he go for it? No, not at all. And so I'm, I'm almost my time on the ship is up with no, no orders. I don't know what I'm going to do next. And the chief of naval operations came to my ship in Yakuska, in Yakuska, Japan. And to kind of, you know, explain who that is, the, the, the CNO, the chief of naval operations, is the most senior person in the Navy. The only people more senior to him is the secretary of defense and the president of the United States. So this guy came to my ship in Yakuska, Japan, 
he gave his vision of like the Navy, the future of the Navy, whatever. And then he asks, does anyone have any questions? And I'm like, my hand is up before he's even finished asking that question. And he calls on me and he says, and I said, yeah, I joined the Navy to become a Navy SEAL. I think I deserve a chance to go. My detailer won't let me go. He says, I'm too critical, but I think I deserve a chance to go. What do you think? He turns to my commanding officer and he says, is he a good guy? And my commanding officer says, yes, he was a sailor of the quarter this quarter, which is kind of like employee of the month because I did a good job sweeping or shining the bright work or whatever you do on a ship in the Navy. And, uh, and he turns back to me, he's like, check, you'll be in the first class after your PRD, which is planned rotational date. Six weeks later, I'm off to California to start SEAL training. Wow. So that question could backfire though too, right? Cause, cause, uh, what do you think? I think you need to serve more time in the Navy. Yeah, certainly could. <laughs> oh. what, what about, what do I have to lose? I, I didn't even realize that yeah. like how powerful this person was. He, well, like you, I, the reason it wasn't even my idea really to ask him. It was other people who knew I wanted to go and they knew I was having a hard time getting there. They're like, Hey, why don't you ask this guy? He's been a common sense leader his entire career. Um, people have asked him to like, like brought policies that don't make sense up to him and he would just change them on the spot. And so like, you, you might as well ask. I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask. And again, I had no real levity of the, like who I was actually talking to. I turns out I, I, I got by, I made it. So, so that's, that's awesome. What is that where you're, is that the mindset shift shift that you're talking about? Or what was the actual mindset shift? that you had to say, Hey, I can, I can do this. I can go beyond this 52 pushups. It was, you know, stop focusing on the minimum number. How many can I actually do? What's the maximum I can do instead of limiting myself by the limiting, you know, we, we all have limiting beliefs and really there's nothing that really quantifies those limiting beliefs. Like we could push ourselves so much further than we believe we can. It, you just have to like, for, forget about the minimum and like, how far can you go? How big can you go? How much money can you make? How much impact can you have on the world? That's, you know, that was the, the, the change that had to happen in my head. And I actually failed the screening test the second time I took it. So this time, and so this kind of adds to it. Um, so the, the second time I took it, I, you know, there was me and like 10 other guys. I beat everyone on every event. Cause I was like, there's no way I'm not passing this. I was the first one out of the pool on the swim. Uh, I did the most push-ups. I did the most pull-ups. I did the most sit-ups. And I was the fastest runner. I was the only person taking the screening test to become a SEAL. Everyone else was taking the screening test to become either an EOD guy or a Navy diver. It's the same test, just the standards are different. So to be a SEAL, the standards are higher. You have to be swim faster, run faster, more push-ups, more pull-ups, more sit-ups. And so I crushed everyone. And the run... those guys ran in shorts and and tennis shoes and I did the run in long pants and boots and, uh, and there were boondockers. I I don't know if you know what boondockers are, but they weigh about eight pounds a piece. (laughs) They're very heavy, (laughs) like steel shank, steel toe, low cut boots that they, you know, issued me in boot camp, And that's what I had to run because you had to run in boots. And so, and I beat everyone on everything. And I remember like coasting coming across the finish line and I failed the run by like, I don't know, like 12 seconds or something. I could have easily finished the run, but I'm like, I'm so far ahead. I'm crushing everyone. I'm the man. I got this. And then I failed it. And I was like, okay, put your ego back in your pocket because that served you never. And uh, so, you know, you can pass it. So I had to go take it the third time. 
and then pass it with how, no, how much time I, I in between? Nothing. Um, between time two I, and time it was three. Like, like probably two weeks. It oh, you can just keep really trying at it. Yeah, it, it really it's like you have to find people who are willing to take time out of their day to come and like watch you do these exercises and grade you on them, and then write up a thing at the end saying he passed or failed or this is a score or whatever. So you have to do any really, in the ocean. What's that? Do they have you do any sit-ups in the ocean? No, they didn't. Uh, so our buds training was uh, yeah. false. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was after I got the buds. Yeah. Okay. All right. Perfect. So you finally passed that test. What's next in uh, moving forward the Navy SEAL aspect of your career? So that was, you know, submit my package, request, you know, hey, I want to go to SEAL training. No, no, no. The CNO says yes. Then I'm off to, to California for that six month block of, of buds. And it took me a short 13 months to get through that that six month block because, uh, you know, I I I didn't the honest truth is I didn't train hard enough for it. And I realized when I got there, I was like, Ooh, running sucks. Running in soft sand really sucks. And uh, and so I got injured because I will I'll just say I, because I wasn't prepared physically like I should have been. Um, there were guys on my ship that said, yeah, man, you need to run in soft sand with boots on from now until you leave. And I'm like, okay, yeah, there's no, none of that's around here. So I'm just going to, I'm going to do my same old exercises and, and, and I'll be fine. How hard can it be? It's pretty hard actually. Um, <laughs> but you know, that's kind of the way I've always thought about it. How hard can it be? It's less hard, the more prepared you are. So, so I got injured. I got rolled back. I got injured again. I got rolled back. They were going to kick me out because I got rolled back twice before I made it to hell week. And I was like, you know, the first guy was like, okay, clearly you didn't prepare. We're I recommend you being, you know, kicked out of training, come back in two years. I'm like, no, 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 hold on. Wait, wait. So I went to see the second guy and I'm just like bawling, crying tears. I'm like, please don't kick me out. I, I may not have a chance to come back. And I told the story about the CNO coming to my ship and my, you know, all that drama. And he was like, go stand outside. So I go stand outside in my crutches and I'm there for like three hours. I don't even remember the guy's name. And I remember the guy who recommended me to go. I still hate him to this day. And he was still, you know, I did, I, I worked for him at SEAL Team 4. And I, I hated him the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so then I, you know, he was like, I stood outside like three hours waiting. Wait, He came back. He's like, what are you doing here? And I said, you told me to wait outside. No, no attitude out of me. Um, and he's like, go check in. You'll be in the first class. This is your last silver bullet. And I'm like, okay, check. When I started that third class, I was not healed up. I limped my way all the way through the first phase of training, all the way through Hell Week. And uh, whatever injury I had healed up during Hell Week. And I was like, oh, I'm good to go. And then after Hell Week, because I was limping on one leg, I created stress fractures on the other leg. And then I couldn't keep up again after Hell Week. And they're like, and I was like, okay, here's the deal. If you're going to kick me out, for my injury, I'm just going to keep going with a broken leg. I don't care. And they're like, you're shut up. You'll be in the, in the last class. So I eventually graduated in class 208, 13 months to the day of checking in. Dang, that's some trauma to get through. <laughs> just the beginning. So, so from there, what your experience in the Navy SEALs, was it everything you hoped it would be when you were a Boy Scout and that other kids telling you about it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was in at a good time. You know, I, I, I got to the team. I didn't go to the team I wanted to go to. 
I ended up going to a team called Seal Delivery Vehicle Team 2 on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, their focus was undersea. They had this mini submarine. You put two guys in the front, four guys in the back, and you go places in the world and you do stuff and no one knows, knows the wiser. And so it was a very cool capability, but I didn't want to do that job. I wanted to be a sniper. I wanted to like kick doors and do all that other stuff. And then I eventually, I eventually became a sniper. Then I went back and I taught sniper school a few, a few years later. And I was actually teaching sniper school when 9-11 happened. I was like the senior instructor uh, on the ground at the time. I was not the senior man, but I was the senior instructor. And then guys that were going through the course or the guys that were like student instructors that were working for me, even though they were senior to me, they were like, like 9-11 happened. And they all turned to me and they said, what do we do? And I was like, I don't know. Hold on. Let me go. Let me call somebody. <laughs> let me call a friend. And, and again, this was like the beginning of cell phones. Like, so there were like, you know, iPhones all over the place. Um, and so I, I called the headquarters and I was like, Hey, what do we do? Do we need to like load up? And this was, we were in, in Indiana, our, our sniper school is in uh, Camp Atterbury, Indiana. And so I was like, do we like load up and go help with the recovery effort up in New York? Or what do you want us to do? And they said, continue training because we're going to need those skills very soon. I didn't really get the gravity of what that meant, but I, you know, I can follow orders. So I went back and I told everyone, all right. We're going to take the rest of the day off, call your people, get your affairs in order, because tomorrow we're, we're going to hit it hard. And uh, and we did. And, you know, soon after that, we started deploying to uh, Afghanistan. And then, you know, about a year later, we started deploying to Iraq. So you deployed as a trainer or you were deploying as a... I left the... the I finished my time as an instructor and then I went uh, and started deploying with, with the SEAL teams. Got it. And, and how many times did you go over there? I have seven combat deployments. Wow. So uh, was, I went to Iraq four times and Afghanistan three. Wow. wow. That's, that's, uh, that's a lot, right? I mean, even for somebody who loves it and that's what you wanted, that has to become a lot after a while, right? It is. Um, you know, I know guys that have so many more deployments, but you know, in the, in the regular SEAL teams, we do six to seven month deployments. And so each one of those was, you know, six months at a time. So I, I you know, I've lived over, overseas for a few years in those, in those zones. And it's not all, it, it wasn't every deployment. Was it, you know, full, full on hard combat. Some of them were more administrative, more kind of peacekeeping almost like uh, go and train, you know, the, the, the partner force of the country use them as, you know, your surrogate force for going and doing direct action missions or whatever, uh, collecting intel, because the goal at the end of the day is to turn the country back over to the people who live there. Right. We don't live there. We have a, we have a, you know, a vested interest, but we don't live there. So um, it's really to, to turn everything back over to them. So but that doesn't mean that even though we were doing this mission over here of like helping build the country back up, we still weren't hunting, hunting terrorists at the same time. You know, it's uh, obviously, you know, for the listeners, you know, everybody, you know, hears what you did and is really grateful and appreciative of, of your service. Um, what did you, what would you say, like, the, what were some of the things that you learned the most from um, your time over um, in combat? Um, you know, there are these soft truths, special operations forces truths. And, you know, one of them is, is people are more valuable than equipment. And that's 
absolutely true without the people because it takes so much time and effort to train someone up to the level that that we work at and then there's so much trust that you have to put into them like you're literally trusting your life the the guy that's to your left or to your right or behind you is going to do is going to pick up your pick up your six if you will he's going to like cover your your back if you if i go this way i know that you're going to if i turn left i know you're going to turn right i know you're going to like if i expose myself to a danger area you're going to put yourself in in that danger area to protect me and engage a threat if it's there. So there's, you know, there's a tremendous amount of trust and and dependent on your people. And this is really a leadership lesson that that comes from, you know, going into harm's way and doing hard things. When you talk about that leadership lesson during that uh, seven different deployments, was there a moment where you're like, okay, this is what is beyond my time with the Navy SEALs and like an epiphany you had that uh, your next course of action? No. 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 <laughs> Go you back just ran and ready to do it again. Yeah. So, so how do you figure out your transition out of the SEALs if you weren't having some vision of what that looks like before? So for me, it was, it was your time is up. You've spent, you know, you get to stay in the military as long as you want up to a point that based on your rank and based on the job that you're doing. So I retired as an E eight enlisted. I'm the second to the most senior enlisted rank. Um, and is that kind of like, 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 like an Eagle, Eagle Scout? Scout? Yeah. Very similar. <laughs> uh, is I can only go for 26 years, maximum of maybe 27 years. If you go do some special job overseas somewhere, but uh, I hit the 26 year mark. I was in absolute denial about getting out. I was like, I, but I'm, I'm comfortable doing what I'm doing. And, you know, my last three years, I was uh, working at the headquarters uh, doing science and technology stuff. We have a system called the operational deficiency report. And so my job in that role was to go out and find new and create new technologies that didn't exist that would meet operational requirements that we had. So, you know, for example, like we, I went and partnered with companies. So I would go with, I had a problem and I would go to, you know, different vendors and say, Hey, can you help me solve this problem? And they would say yes. And give me kind of a plan. And then I would go find money. And I went and found $16 million of other people's money to solve problems that we had and create prototypes. And then, you know, some things were became legacy items that are, are still being used today. But um, yeah, so I was in complete denial about, you know, getting out and, and then I was like, okay, I need to figure out a plan. So I started a company doing something similar to what I was doing in, you know, at, at the headquarters in my last three years. Um, but it was, it was a grind that I did not like. I didn't like rejection so much. People telling me that I'm a criminal because I'm a, I'm a consultant. Um, I learned, you know, very quickly I had to like figure out what my, my new vocabulary is. And uh, because they were like, Oh, we've had consultants before they suck. They just take money from us. They don't, and we never get any value out of it. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not that guy. I'll bring value. And then, you know, um, but kind of along that way, I was, I had a bunch of baggage and what I call baggage and I call it, uh, I don't call it PTSD. I don't call it anything like that. I just call it baggage because we all have it. Um, a lot of it is from my time in the SEAL teams. And uh, there's a lot of it that is from some not so awesome relationships that we kind of talked about earlier, which I still battle with today. And, um, 
and I was, I had, you know, a lot of noise in my head, like negative self-talk and all this other stuff. And the only way that I could find to like really dial that back or dull that out was just pretty much drink myself to sleep at night. And if you frame that a little differently, maybe that was me drinking till I passed out every night. I'm not really sure, but I can tell you that when you drink that much alcohol, you don't perform optimally the next day. It just doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> I tried no way. It. No it, way. It, this, it just doesn't work. Um, and so I had heard about this molecule called CBD. I was still in the military when it, you know, when I heard about it, I was listening to a podcast and the guy was talking about medical marijuana and everyone knows the benefits and, and we're still working on benefits of THC and figuring that out. But there's this other molecule that I think will be the next big thing. You know, it has all these medicinal thing values to it. It helps with stress, anxiety, helps people sleep. It helps with pain. It helps with chronic inflammation. It helps with certain kinds of epilepsy. And I think this is going to be the next big thing. And so C CBD was still kind of like black market, not federally legal. Um, it was legal in places like Colorado and maybe California where, um, you know, marijuana was more legal or medicinal marijuana at, at the very least. Um, and so in 2008, March 20th of 2018, uh, Congress passed the Farm Bill, which made hemp legal. So the difference between hemp and marijuana, they're pretty much the same plant, but uh, hemp, the, the definition of hemp is the dried weight of the plant has 0.3% or less THC in it. So people are able to breed the plant, you know, really smart people breed the plant to breed out the THC and increase the amount of CBD that's in the product. And so then the, you know, then there was uh, this big craze of CBD products like flooding the market. And I, at some point, I think 2019, I was out of the military um, and I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to try CBD because I enough of like, I'm like killing myself over here and this is not okay. Um, so, so you're like soothing your, there's no other organization that you turn to for help or whatever. You're, you're trying to figure it all out on your own. Yeah. I'm not okay. one to ask for help that often. Is that pretty common? In, is that pretty common yeah. in the special forces? Or I think it's common just for, I think it's, I think it's common just men period. Yeah. Like how often do you really ask for help? You yeah. don't want to like appear weak to anybody. You don't want to appear needy. You don't want to like, you're like, as a man, my, I'm a, I'm a protector. I'm a provider. I'm supposed to be the, the strong element. And so it's, that's important, but you know, also taking care of yourself is important. And I learned this lesson in the military that uh, I continue to fail at and repeat the same thing in that, you know, if there's a kind of a saying that says, if you don't take care of yourself, no one else will. And uh, I'm so busy taking care of other people, I'm not taking care of myself. And so at some point I had to like figure out, and this was very slowly happening. Eventually I, I started to ask for help. Uh, you know, I was, I was having lunch with a, with a former teammate of mine and, and I told him, I was like, Hey, I was in Virginia. And, and I said, Hey, I, I think I'm going to see if I can find some CBD because maybe what you have here in Virginia is better than what we have in Hawaii. I don't know anything about it at all. Uh, and he was like, Oh, if you want CBD, I've got some at home. So he gave me a bottle and, and I use it. And I don't know that I noticed anything while I was using it. Maybe I was a little less pissed off. Maybe I slept a little better, not real sure. But what I do know is, um, water boils at 212 degrees. 
and I was probably living my life at 210 degrees. And taking that CBD was a very gradual decrease in temperature. I didn't notice it at the time, but I noticed it when I, you know, after like 30 days or something that I ran out of that bottle um, in that, like, I was less pissed off, like things that would normally uh, like set me off. I had more time to respond to them rather than just react. And so, and then, you know, different pains in my body, they were just less bad. They're still there. They're just less bad. And when I stopped taking the CBD, you know, my fuse started getting shorter again. So I, you know, I was at 210. I went to from 210 to 205 to 200 to 195 to 190, maybe 185. Got out of that like red zone of like flashpoint and, and got into, you know, my law, my fuse got longer and the pains were just not quite as bad. And then when I stopped taking it, I started getting closer to that boiling point again. My fuse got shorter. Pain started coming back that I was like, I haven't felt those pains for a while. Like what, what's going on? And then I was like, maybe it was a CBD, maybe not. So I tried a different brand and I had similar results. So now I'm like, oh, I'm like, I want to be in the CBD industry. Um, because the thing about, and this was really the question that you asked, um, my transition from the military to civilian life was the hardest military mission I've ever been on. And I've been on a few. Um, because when I was in the military, I had, I had a purpose, I had a mission, and I had a team. And I had a badass purpose and a badass mission and a badass team. And it was like the movie, The Avengers, where Thanos like snaps his fingers and half the world's population goes away. That's the way I felt. And I was like, I like, so I was struggling, like failing as a, as an entrepreneur. I did okay financially. I just wasn't happy doing this consulting job that I had created for myself. Uh, CBD was something that was helping me. I'm interested in the industry. How do I get in the industry? I don't know anything about it. And then I was at a business conference. It was called the Empire Business Summit in 2019 in San Diego. And uh, the guy who gave me that first bottle of CBD was one of the, the, the guest speakers. So he brought me in as his VIP guest. So I got to have access to, you know, backstage stuff and all around, like all, all access to everything at this event. And there was a Q&A session. CBD is a is considered by social media to be an illicit substance. And there was a girl that was putting CBD into kinesiology tape. And she went up on stage and she's like, okay, I got this thing and the thing. How do I market it? Because I can't do it the way that you guys are saying, like run Facebook ads and do this and that and whatever. And so, you know, the, the, the coaches on stage gave her somewhat of a plan. And all I'm thinking is like CBD. Follow the girl, follow the girl, follow the girl. Okay, there she is. And then we left. And I followed her out into the hallway and I was like, hey, you're the CBD girl, right? I'm like very excited. I found someone in the industry I can talk to. And she was like, yeah, can you step back a minute? I'm like, okay, yeah, you got it. <laughs> you're a little too close. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I was like, I, I, I'm interested in CBD. I want to do the thing and the whatever. And she was like, okay, cool. Do you want to do A to B, B to B or B to C? And I was <laughs> like, I don't know what those letters mean. I want to do C, B, D. She was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I feel like you've told that joke before. <laughs> maybe maybe like once. Uh, and then it gets better. And then I was like, and, and she said, so, well, why don't you just start your own CBD company? And I said, I don't know how to do that. And she said, you are a Navy SEAL. You can figure it out. And so I kindly asked her for my man card back, put back <laughs> in my pocket. And, uh, and then she started, she educated me a little bit about the industry the different kinds of CBD out there. And then I went home and I Googled how to start a CBD company. And, um, and it was weird. 
like this this random person that I saw at a at a like business conference had more confidence in me about how to start a, that I could start a CBD company than I did my own self. And so I was like, okay, there's a lesson here. Let me just go ahead and figure my own stuff out. Put my my limiting beliefs behind me and just that's that's figured out. Google. Oh, hey, the CBD industry is super dirty and super corrupt. And there's a bunch of shit products out there in the market. Sorry to swear. I get carried away sometimes. Yeah, you're good. Um, sure. And and so I was like, okay, everyone talks about your why, your mission, your whatever. And so I was like, okay, my mission is to bring to the market the highest quality CBD out there. So I started looking for people who actually create that supply CBD. So I, I went and found a bunch of suppliers and I kind of did my research on them, did a bunch of interviews with them. And then, you know, there was one or two suppliers out there that had really, truly the highest quality CBD on the market. And they're not any names that you've probably ever heard of. Um, maybe you have, but, but probably not. And so I went out and I, I partnered with, with these suppliers. And the thing that makes the products that we are bringing to market different than everyone else, and really it was a change to the industry, is, um, you know, we, we tested oil when it comes out of the plant. To make sure it has, there's no uh, heavy metals, mercury, arsenic, lead, anything like that, which was in almost every CV product that you could find out there in the industry. Uh, make sure, you know, there's, you know, it is actually hemp and not uh, marijuana to make sure it has all the things that it's supposed to have. You know, we have specific farmers that we go to. Um, now everything is USDA certified organic. The farms are, the products are, the oil is. Um, and we would test the oil to make sure it was good to go. And then we run it through the manufacturing process. And then we test it on the backside. Most, almost every CBD company out there wouldn't do that second piece of it. And what we found is while we were doing that, there would be sometimes contaminant, contamination would happen during the manufacturing process. Whether you turn it from a tincture that you put under your tongue, that's a pretty easy process to not mess up. Um, a topical, uh, a powdered energy drink, a soft gel, a pill that you take. Uh, or, or anything along those lines. And so what we found is there can be easily, like if you just mess it up a little bit, not pay attention a little bit, you can mess up the, the quality of the product. Mm -hmm. And so we would do testing on the backside to ensure that what you're actually putting in your body is actually what's in the bottle. What's on the label is actually what's in the bottle at the very least. So, you know, when, when uh, the, the industry first started going, um, there would be, just dirty products on the market. You know, most products either wouldn't have CBD in them or they would have not the CBD they said they had in them. There would be high levels of heavy metal, mer mercury, arsenic, lead, pesticides, herbicides, all in, in the product. And, you know, if you're putting something into your body to be a medicine, you don't want to be putting a bunch of poisons in your body. And so that was our initial mission. And then, you know, some more companies were being... Um, started to kind of catch up with the Q, QA that we were doing. And so, you know, I looked at like, I, I reached out to one of my coaches and I was like, Hey, like, what do I do about this? You know, everyone has a premium quality CBD now. Well, what's your real mission for doing this other than you want to make money. And I looked at myself, I looked at where I came from. I'm a veteran. Um, I have struggled, you know, from my time in the military, there's first responders struggling right now. And, you know, I, I saw the metric of 22 to zero, 22 veterans take their lives every single day. We've lost more veterans to suicide than we have in 20 years of combat in two theaters of war. Wow. And so and so that became our new mission was 22 to zero to eliminate veterans suicide. CBD being a modality that helped 
it helped me turn down the noise in my head. It's helped many other people, uh, even if it's not people who bought from from my company. Um, so and is then, that your so, niche? Is that the niche that you're going after? Is veterans? That's part of it. Veterans, first responders. That's part of it. But what I found is, you know, it's like everyone has stress and anxiety and pain and sleep issues and things like that. So that was my initial niche. Really, people are like, "What is? Who's your? Who's your avatar?" And I'm like, mm, "Veterans, maybe." And well, maybe they don't make a lot of money and CBD is kind of an expensive product. Maybe it's patriots. Maybe it's people who care about the military, who are also struggling, who want to help veterans. Um, so, you know, it's it's interesting. I've, I've had this company for the last uh, since I launched my company March 1st of 2020. So there's something else happened right after that. So even <laughs> over I'm not, I don't remember what it was. Well, something, something happened right after that. Um, yeah. Well, but and so, before we leave that, can I ask a question? Because. You know, when you talk about your transition, you know, you, you almost talk about this depressive state you're battling and CBD was almost part of the cure of helping get you out. But when you were a Navy SEAL, you had a tremendous amount of purpose, right? Sure. And then as you transition out, you, you lack purpose in your life. And was the answer CBD or was the answer that girl who challenged you to reintroduce purpose and purpose coming back into your life to help you come out of that state that you were in? Uh, both CBD got turned down the noise. It didn't turn it off. But it turned down the noise enough for me to like do a little reassessment of myself and try to figure out what, what do I, what am I doing? How do I want to do it? Wh who, What's my next, what is my purpose? I thought it was like helping companies navigate the military acquisition system. I mean, maybe it was going to be like, go do contracting for some agency out there because I could, could go do that and make pretty good money. Um, but I wanted to do something bigger than that. And so, you know, what, what gets you out of bed in the morning? And so the CBD was started me on the journey of, of helping people since then. Um, I've, I still run Naked Warrior Recovery. I'm still very passionate about it, but I also do business coaching, leadership coaching, and mindset coaching. And uh, and I have to tell you that that is one of the most gratifying things I've ever done in my life. Mm. Helping people look at things, the problems they have in their life from a different perspective. You know, there's analogies about like, you can't read the label of the bottle when you're inside of it. I stand outside the bottle and I, and I, and I read the label. Um, you know, before this, I was just on a, on a, coaching call with one of my clients and you know he's like he keeps falling back into these sort of depressive states of trying to figure out what he's doing what his purpose is what his why is i mean he makes good money in the real estate world even though the market is doing weird stuff right now um but he keeps like falling back into his why and we i put him through a, a pretty hard physically challenging program not that long ago and he came out of it he's like i got my purpose i got my focus I, i'm ready to go and then he allowed other things in his life to come and like take away from what he thought his focus was. And every time I talk to him, he's like, I'm still trying to figure out my why. And today I beat him up pretty hard on you just need to take decisive action. It doesn't even matter where you go. Purposeful, decisive action. That's, that's the thing that we beat into you in this, this, this program that you did over here. And you came out of it and you knew exactly what you wanted to do and where you were going. And now you've not taken that decisive action enough times so you've gotten away from it so it i think it's very hard for people to find their purpose it was took me a long time 
to find my my purpose the reason that i you know wake up in the morning the reason i wake up in the morning is are things that four years ago when i got out of the military i would have told you you're smoking crack if if you'd have said this is what you're going to do now all i want to do is i want to sell cbd i want to help people through you know whatever supplements that i can help them with i want to coach people you know leaders uh in in business and leadership and mindset and I want to get on stage and speak and spread the, the message of the, the get naked mindset, which we can go into in a minute. So do you think that um, there's one purpose or because it sounded like you rattled off a couple or more than a couple, you know, because a lot of times people are looking for their purpose. Um, but I don't you know, it sounds sometimes it sounds like there might not be, you know, the purpose. It might be multiple purposes, multifaceted or it might be something that changes over time. And how sure. do you coach people through that? Because they're, you know, you're like you mentioned this, um, their client that's looking for their why and their why sounds like it's one thing. And how do you help people get, you know, that move to that, you know, action where they're just moving forward so that they can that that why can continue to evolve? So almost most of my coaching is one on one. So I have to build a relationship with the client. I have to establish that trust. Like you can trust me. You can share things with me that you wouldn't share with your wife or husband or lover or children or whatever. I'm not going to, you know, it's almost like I have to, I should have like a degree in psychology to do some of the coaching that I do. Um, but they share with me like things that they're struggling with or things that they want to improve on. And then I am fortunate enough to have enough struggles and failures in my own life. I can say, Hey, look at this. I also, you know, try this. This may not work for you. It's kind of like medicine. You know, medicine is not science. It's a practice. You know, doctors have a practice. They don't have a science clinic. Um, and so some of it is like, try this. This has worked for other people. It will work for you if you do the work, but it's about, they have to do the work. And, you know, when I'm working with people on trying to find their purpose, I find out like, I ask them like, where do you want to go? And you don't even have to have like a clear vision of what that is. Like, what direction do you want to go? Because if you, oftentimes we, we get lost in overwhelm and we're like, it's too many things to do. I don't know what to do. You, you, you will just sit there and, and drown in overwhelm if you just sit there. But what you have to do is you have to stand up and you have to put one front, one foot in front of the other and start going in a direction. Yeah. It might not be the right direction, but I'm going to help you get going in a direction. And then while you're going down that direction, your perspective is going to change. Your environment is going to change. And so that's going to help you make better decisions on maybe I don't want to go this way. Maybe I'll go this way a little bit longer. Maybe I need to turn left or maybe I just need to pivot and go, you know, a little bit in a different way. This was, you know, my path. This is the way that every um, entrepreneur, I mean, you guys didn't start off with C3. You started somewhere else. Yeah. And you may not even see have seen where you were would be today five years ago, six years ago. Maybe yep. it was an idea, but you had to start taking action and start moving forward in a direction. And Definitely. then you probably had to shift a little bit and then shift a little more. Oh, wait, we're Netflix, for example. They were, you know, mail DVDs to your house. And then they pivoted away from that to online streaming. And then now, you know, it's a it's a it's an empire now. But they had to start somewhere. And they ended up putting Blockbuster out and 
Red box, actually, red box is still around. I still see red boxes every now and then. My little player at 7 Eleven, right? Yeah. right. My kids yeah. asked me when those were going away the other day. <laughs> well, let's shift here. Um, yeah, so what naked is? We, so well, Mia actually wanted us to do this interview naked, and Gabe and I refused. We said, you know, we'll wear pink uh, in front of this, <laughs> you know, manly Navy SEAL, but naked's one step too far. Um, but in your world, can can you describe to the listeners how your concept around naked evolved and, and what it is? Yeah, hundred percent. So, you know, naked is there's it has it's it's multi layered, multifaceted, kind of like what we were talking about. Like my purpose is really up to be of service. You know, I served in the in the military. I served in the SEAL teams as a leader. A leader's job is to always be of service to the mission, to the men. To the organization i'm out i'm still of service now my, my my purpose is serving veterans leaders other people who want to learn you know or who come and hear me speak um naked is a message first of all in, on the marketing side it seemed like a pretty good hook like i was uncomfortable saying get naked and so much like, oh, if that makes me uncomfortable i should completely embrace that yeah I'm going. and uh and so originally this was about your my mindset so we all walk around with some sort of armor on, some sort of ego, some sort of baggage that weighs us down. Sometimes we put the crap in the bag that we carry around, and sometimes other people put the crap in the baggage that we carry around. And so getting naked was all about like taking that armor off, taking that ego, taking that baggage off, setting it in the corner and becoming, exposing ourselves, becoming vulnerable so we can find the healing that we actually need to move to the next level in our life. And that's what I had to do. Like I walked around with you know, never asking for help, never, you know, I'm never showing weakness, never anything like that. My job was to be the man and project that into the world and never show weakness. Um, but at some point when I was struggling at, at such a deep level, I had to start asking for help. And I talked to someone about this once upon a time and they were like, so um, how do you feel when people ask you for help? I'm like, dude, I feel amazing. I love it. I love helping people. And so she said, so why are you robbing other people of that joy that you feel when you help other people? I was like, dude, why do you got to do that to me? That sucks. <laughs> um, so, so I started asking more people for help. Um, I still struggle with it, but I'm, I'm better at it. I understand, you know, I, I like helping people. Other people like helping me. So how, I, I how try to take advantage of it. How do you struggle with that as a Navy SEAL where everything's about team and everybody's supporting each other That's and helping question, each other? Yeah. Because, and you see that in the military, you know, um, people are really, that's part of the training and part of the experience and everybody's there to support each other and help each other. And then when you get out, all of a sudden you're alone. Yeah. So that that's it. I mean, in, in, the, in the SEAL teams, we all know what our job is. We know what our purpose is. I know if I do one thing, you're going to do the other thing that needs to, to happen to fill in the gap. I know that we work together. We train together. That's just what we do when I left the SEAL teams, I didn't have that dependable team to fill in my gaps that I needed filled. And so now actually what I, what I tell people now is, you know, I, I found my new mission, I found my new purpose and I'm building my new SEAL team. And so what I mean by that is I'm, you know, I find, you know, sometimes there are other SEALs that have, that I've served with, or maybe haven't served with before, or we've partnered up in, in different ways or other entrepreneurs, you know, the, you know, very high, I've hired business coaches that are, have become friends. And so these are, these are, you know, this is me building my new SEAL team and people that I can depend on, people that I, I 
trust enough to go and ask for help. But when I left the military, I didn't have that. And so I, I struggled to even be brave enough to ask anyone for help. That, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a good question. How do you like, how do you have that problem? <laughs> I wasn't brave enough to ask for help. Yeah. And that, that was, that was really it at the end of the day. You know, I don't, it's not just men and special forces. Hopefully my wife doesn't watch this, but you know, she, she's Filipino and grew up in a family that was pretty like, they didn't just share emotion openly. Right. And so she has that in her where asking for help or sharing feelings, what you talked about the baggage, you know, being able to take that weight off, that's not something that's natural. So it's like, I think it's a problem that can impact everybody. Sure. What what do you say to that person in that state of mind to trigger them to get naked? I think, you know, I think it's really what was told to me is, you know, going back to that, that um, why are you robbing someone else of the joy that you get when you help someone? Like that was a huge guilt trip played on me. And I was like, I'm still scared to ask, but yeah. I, I just have to be brave enough to ask. And the more, like, I have to trust you to ask, ask for help. Yeah, definitely. And so I had to, I had to establish that trust in, in different people. And once I trust them, then I, then I became brave enough to ask for help. I'm not going to ask. Look like giving anyone. a gift to somebody, right? When you're asking them for help, you're giving them a gift almost. Right. And I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm more of a giver than a taker. So I don't like, I don't like taking. Um, other people in the world are more about taking. So. I, I'm, I'm just a giver and that's just the way that I'm wired. Um, well, I so guess yeah. it's like helping people realize that they can be both. Right. Yeah, I think so. Cause receiving is a big uh, thing that I think a lot it's of people so have trouble hard with. to do for a lot of people. Yeah. I, yeah. I, and I'm one of those people. What is it? Um, you know, when you're in, uh, in, in the teams, obviously you wake up every day and you have motivation, purpose, mission, you know, goals that you're trying to hit you're kind of in a free space now. You're like, you have to create your own motivation, your own goals. If there's not a defined path, how, how do you talk to the, you know, whether it's a special force or just somebody in the military, when they transition out into this big, vast space, what's your, what's your advice to them on how to stay motivated and set goals and move forward every day? Well, I tell them to first start by figuring out what you want to do when you, when you get out when you retire, when you, whatever, I just had this conversation earlier this week because it, it sounds very familiar in my head. Um, what do you want to, what do you want to do? Like, you know, this is going to end, you know, that, you know, once you leave, even in the seal teams, once you walk out that door, you can never walk back in. They don't, they love you when you're there, but once you walk out, they don't give a fuck. So, <laughs> but that's hard for you to, for a lot of people to really, grasp and so and I, I've talked to other you know other people who have friends in the in the military getting ready to retire and they're stressing out on like what do I do and so what I tell people it's like the same thing I'd tell my my, my coaching clients like where do you want to be where do you think you want to be it doesn't even have to be like the right thing like let's let's pick something like maybe you want to work for TSA maybe you want to be a, an executive in some sort of company do you have the degrees do you have what you need do you have Maybe, maybe you want to be in IT, go get those certificates, go get the degrees, go let the military pay for all these things that you want to do, start creating a plan. And so I've, you know, I've created like five seal secrets of life transitions because we all go through tra transitions in life. 
whether we get married, divorced, have kids, have a death in the family, a global pandemic, you're fired, you're hired, you're whatever. All of these are life transitions and they impact our lives in, in one way or another. Um, but we don't generally plan for them. We don't plan for contingencies. And so I tell people like, make a plan, brief the plan, talk about the plan, talk about what you wanna do. Have people shoot holes in your plan. And then you go out and you, you, you what we call a dirt dive, you, you practice the plan. And again, this is where you talk about the transitions that you're going to go through. What are the things you need to do? Maybe practice doing interviews uh, with people, write different resumes for different job, possible job opportunities that you might have. And then when it's time to execute, you execute it violently. And then depending on what happens at the end of that execution, you do an after action review. What went right? What went wrong? What can I change? What can I make better? And then you just apply it and when you for the next plan, brief and execution. You mentioned it starts, go ahead. No, go ahead. It, it just starts with like, you got to have direction. You got to have an, an idea. You don't have to know, have. like, you don't, you don't have to have like this beautiful shining light right there that tells you exactly where you need to go or angels, you know, walking the three, three wise men to Jesus. You just need a direction. Like, I just need to start going in this direction. You may end up going in that direction. That's fine. But you need to start moving and, and, and not feel sorry for yourself. That's what I did. I felt sorry for myself. I was wallowing in my own, like, woe is me ism, which people are like, you don't do that. You're, and I'm like, I'm lazy too. You're a Navy SEAL. You're not like, yes, I'm incredibly lazy. I have to be very purposeful with taking action every day, or I can easily fall back into like feeling sorry for myself. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've moved far enough down the line. I don't, I still have to be, I actually have to be more purposeful now. I'm not going to fall back into wallowing, but if I don't, if I'm not very purposeful about where I absolutely want to go, I can end up going where I don't want to go. So now I'm like, I'm closer to my target. I need to be more direct on, on, on actually getting there. So is that one of the five seal secrets is just moving forward? Or... You know what? I haven't even made any, uh, like a, a five seal secrets for that. So, so let's go over five seal secrets and this really covers naked. So naked really is about, originally was about taking that, that ego off that armor, that baggage off. So you can find healing. Um, then, I had a, a coach that was like, everyone in this group needs to have a signature presentation. And I was like, oh my God, I don't like speaking in front of people. I'm scared of public speaking, blah, blah, whatever. And so um, I had, you know, get naked as like a, like a tagline that I started using. And so I turned naked into an acronym. And so now I, when I get on stage and I share five seal secrets, it's five secrets to think like a Navy SEAL. And really these were the, these were five lessons that I learned in the SEAL teams that I use every single day. It's sort of almost like my, uh, my core values. And so it, the acronym goes something like this. The N is for never quit. The A is accept failure. The K is to kill mediocrity. The E is expose your fears and the D is do the work. I think I like kill so mediocrity. I love that. <laughs> and so that, you know, I, I can give that presentation in, you know, 10 minutes on stage, or I can, you know, give it in a, a 90 minute presentation, sharing stories, how these, uh, these five seal secrets, how I use them in my daily life and how you can use them in your daily life and apply them. You know, maybe you can use only one or two of them at a time, but if you can master these five in one area of your life, then you can master them in the next area and the next area and the next area. And pretty soon you're unstoppable. So what's well, the hardest, what's the hardest one that, do the work. It's you know what it, it's different for everyone. Um, a lot of people are. Everyone understands like never quit. Where's my note? Never. Everyone understands never quit. They think they understand it, but what I say for never quit is 
you know, and again, this was a call I had earlier today is, you know, if you, if you, it's very easy to be overwhelmed by doing hard things or big things or things that make a difference in the world. Very easy to get like, oh my God, I can't do all of that. Oh my God, I don't know how to start a CBD company. What I tell people is to create small victories. Take this overwhelming thing, chop it up into bite-sized pieces, and then consume one of those pieces a day. Something you know you can consume, you know you can finish, start to finish, no big deal. It's not a big, you can have 10 or 12 of those a day, but as long as you can complete one a day, you and never quit doing that. You can complete any anything. You can do anything. You can make a million, billion, trillion dollars. But it's one day at a time, one evolution at a time. And the 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 thing that I equate it to is SEAL training, Hell Week, five and a half days. You don't sleep. Uh, you're cold. You're wet. You're miserable. And you. Um, but there's one thing that's constant: is they feed you four times a day. So it doesn't matter how much it sucks, how much you don't like carrying that boat on your head. No matter how badly you're shivering locked arm arm in arm in the surf zone because Southern California, the water's toasty warm all year round. Um, like it doesn't matter how much it sucks. All you have to do is make it to that next meal. And you just do that one meal at a time and pretty soon hell week is done. And then you you're off to the next, the next event or the next chapter. Of but it's life. easy from there. huh? Jamie and I did uh, hell week yeah, for two no. hours. <laughs> yeah. We did it for two hours. <laughs> well, instead of telephone poles, we're carrying like twigs. And instead of boats, we're carrying like model boats. But uh, other than that, totally it's fine. the same thing. But we know exactly pretty much exactly about. the same. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, it's different for everyone. A lot of people either get uh, the kill mediocrity and exposure fears are the two. These are probably the most um, I get the most feedback on. Because I have a, a website, it's called Five Seal Secrets, the number five sealsecrets.com. You put your name and email in there, and then I email you a copy of these five seal secrets. It's like a seven-page PDF with some cool pictures. And uh, and I and I break it all down. And then I you know follow up with the email. I'm like, hey, you know, for me, um, and I and I there's a little video out there, like you know, exposing my fears was the hardest uh, piece for me because I didn't want to tell anyone that I was weak or insignificant or I was struggling or anything like that. So expose the fears was the biggest thing for me. I've gotten through that. And now I have to kill mediocrity every day. So it, it those are the two that really kind of, I get the most feedback on that people are, are working on the most. Love it. I like that. I love it. Well, awesome. Uh, I feel like, I feel like we could just keep this going for a while <laughs> here, but um in the in the interest of uh, bringing it forward, did Mia advise you we'd we'd hit you with a few rapid fires here? Go for it. All right. What's that the worst that can happen? I don't I answer. <laughs> Have a little fun here. All right. Well, uh, this one's a this one should be an easy one. Uh, what can you do today that you couldn't do a year ago? Speak on stage. If you could change one thing from your past or dictate one thing from your future, which would you pick? Hmm. I think probably future because the past is what has made me who I am today. The struggles, the failures, all of it. Like it. This one's more serious. Um, if you're going to go sing karaoke, what's, what's your song? <laughs> Hotel California or, 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 uh, something Eminem. I don't know. Uh, uh, my, my uh, boys, I coach call it mom spaghetti. 
That's her uh, Eminem song. Um, you you express your affection for being lazy. So when you're yes. in lazy mode and you're hanging out at home, what's your go-to dinner? Uh, steak and broccoli. It doesn't sound like lazy cooking, though. Like that makes it work. You it's know? easy. Oh, you know what? A bag of beef jerky. Uh, there you go. There you go. That's and a, maybe a some, some Doritos. Yeah. All right. What uh, word or phrase do you just you know hate hate hearing? Entitlement. I'm Ooh, entitled yeah. to. Yeah. Like hate. Yeah, we we hate that word as well. Um, heading into holiday season, what's your favorite holiday of the year? You know, I like Christmas carols and stuff. So let's go with Christmas. You, you have your lights up already? No, I don't like decorating. I just like whatever. It's It feels good. It, it takes me back to like my childhood of like having fun at Christmas time. So your Sonas is already playing Christmas in the background. Is that what we're hearing? No. Okay. <laughs> so um, this part is where we're asked you to reflect, you know, really reflect back on, um, you know, your younger self. And what kind of advice would you um, give William, um, his younger self, now everything that you know today? Um, there's a lot, but I think you know, kind of what I mentioned earlier is you know, don't shoot for the minimum standard, shoot for the maximum that you can possibly do in everything that you do in life. Like it? Uh, yeah, I like that too. Um, so the show's called Discover the Difference. What what's the secret sauce behind William that has driven you to get to where you are and take on what you have in life? Failure. hundred percent. The like, I don't learn a lot when I do things right, but I learn a lot when I do things wrong, when I fail, like the plaques or whatever that you see behind me, these aren't successes. These are all failures. These are awesome. like how I rose from failure. I love that. Beautiful. You know, it's something that we're always trying to figure out how do we, you know, teach our kids about failure and what that looks like because we're so we're so such a society of achievement. Right. Or or we're a society of of uh, participation trophies. Yeah. You didn't earn it. All right. Sorry. So for our listeners out there who want to get engaged with you or get naked, what uh, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? I think through five seal secrets, you know, that email comes directly from me. And if you want to get in contact with me, you know, hit me back with, uh, you know, just reply to that email, or you can find me on Instagram at William.r.branham. And then I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and a bunch of other platforms. But if you're interested in CBD, my website is NW for naked warrior dash recovery.com. It originally was, I still have the URL attached to it, naked warrior recovery. But then I thought, well, you know what? Maybe people don't want to write naked in their search engine. I don't know why. I just had an epiphany <laughs> one day. And I was like, well, maybe I should change that. And NW Recovery was taken. So you have to put the dash in there, uh, nw-recovery.com. All, All right, right, perfect. And you know perfect. what? I, here, If you guys don't mind, I'd love to give your listeners a, a discount code for any any CBD products that they Heck want yeah. to buy. And we can do too. it. Uh, uh, let's do C320 for 20% right. off. And, uh, and as soon as we hang up, I will, I will create that and put that in the system. That's awesome. Awesome. Thank yeah, you thanks. so much. It's great to meet Got you, it. William. Yeah, you as well. Hey, thanks for coming on our show today. We appreciate your time and uh, look sure. forward to get, getting this out there. Yeah. And hopefully right. next time you're in San Diego or in Southern California, we can connect. That sounds good. I like that.